Welcome to Do You Ever Wonder? The show that brings you answers to many of the questions that you may have, but with no one to ask. Do You Ever Wonder is hosted by Mike Holtman, CEO of Hallmark Abstract Service, who, like you, has always been deeply curious about a wide variety of topics. Each week, Mike will be speaking with guests who are leaders in their field and who have inspirational stories to tell. So now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Do You Ever Wonder? We're very excited today. We have a, a, a really excellent guest who is going to be talking to a segment of the New York City market and really the, the international market that uh, is considered a little bit problematical right now. And they have a unique solution to that problem. And uh, we will talk to, our, to Rob in a minute. Right now, I'd just like to go over a few statistics that are uh, unique to the to the New York City market. So right now we have an office vacancy rate about 22.7% as of August. Uh, they estimate that one half of the 450 million square feet in New York City is obsolete. That 14 million square feet of new construction, office construction is gonna be coming on the market. And of course, we all know about the work from home uh, issue. We know about uh, the fact that it seems as if employees have have garnered uh, an un, uh, not a typical amount of power. Uh, at least when I was coming up, the employee didn't have much power. We did what we were told, and that was pretty much it. But that doesn't seem to be the case today. And we have a little bit of a COVID resurgence, and that's kind of a uh, wild card. So space, some space is empty. Mortgages still have to be paid, and innovation is necessary. So speaking to the innovation question, our guest today is Rob Nasso, who is a managing partner at BGO, and he's also in charge or the head of their U.S. asset management. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here. It's, uh, it's my pleasure because, you know, this is such a, a timely topic. I go into the city sometimes and I go into buildings that are incredibly obsolete. I go into some buildings that are incredibly modern, but that really aren't that full. And you read all the time about the issues that that landlords, building owners are having filling their space. And you at BGO have come up with a, a unique concept called uh, MIRO, Miro, Move-In Ready Office. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Sure, well, I really appreciate you giving us the time, but I mean, we've spent a lot of time looking at office all over the country, uh, and it is a very competitive marketplace, um, irrespective of what market we're talking about. And I think what we really tried to do is focus on um, what space needs tenants had, uh, and then what would really make that space uh, really appealing to their uh, intern employees. And so we spoke to a lot of different tenants. And actually, you know, we delivered a brand new office space here in January of 21, uh, and we've had everybody back four days a week um, since then, and it's gone very well. And I think there's a lot of lessons learned in terms of what works and, and kind of how uh, the floor plan has evolved over time. Uh, and the Miro concept, moving ready office, really gets us to a place where we've been incredibly thoughtful about uh, space needs, uh, but then also 
really trying to make sure that we can deliver an aesthetically appealing space at a decent price point in a competitive market. And what that does really uh, it enabled us to leverage top flight uh, consultants uh, that we worked with to kind of lay out spaces. Um, and whether that's lounge areas, collaboration areas, quiet areas, uh, incorporating biophilia, et cetera, but really try to do that uh, on a nationwide basis and really get the, the full economies of scale of using high quality consultants where we could then have a, a point of discussion with a lot of different tenants. And if you look at kind of how this program has evolved, I mean, we're, we're delivering tenant spaces for anywhere up from a, a thousand square feet all the way up to 18,000 square feet. And, and a lot of this stuff is, is pre-furnished, so it's ready to move in. And I think, you know, when you look at smaller counterparty tenants that might not be big enough to have a head of real estate or a director of real estate person, you know, us being able to offer our team and, and the work that we've done uh, to into that discussion has been incredibly helpful. So explain. So you have consultants who um, understand space, understand the needs of or the wants of of employees, of tenants. Do you customize each space to, uh, you know, if I'm, if you have three people getting 5,000 square feet in your building, is each would each office be somewhat similar or do your consultants look at each specific company situation and say, this is how we would set it up. This is how we would arrange it. You know, how does how does that exactly work in terms of? Yeah. So so again, the, these are spaces that have been put into production before we have a tenant dialogue. So we we kind of go through the floor plan. Again, we have asset managers, uh, development construction team in house where we kind of lay out everything in terms of what we think uh, the right way forward is in terms of what that floor plan should look at, look like. Uh, and then we go about delivering it. And so depending on what buildings we have, what spaces are available in those buildings will dictate what we think we should put into production to be able to deliver and make available. The other thing too, though, is we have side-by-side -side parallel path discussions with tenants that might come in after the fact looking for space. And if it's early on in the, the process, we have an ability to tweak the floor plan or change it depending on what a tenant might want to add, delete, change, et cetera. So it's a bit of a, an evolving process, both on what we are going to deliver and then what we had planned to deliver that might be tweaked and changed a little bit. So now the, your property, your the landmark property that you, you start with is 685 Third Avenue? Uh, well, we started, we've probably got five or six different buildings where we've already done this, 685 yeah. being one of them. Now, you know, you talk about move in ready. And if I'm a, not every company is the same. Not every company has the same private office needs. Not every company has the same bullpen needs. How does, and if your offices are move in ready, you, you pre, they're pre-made prior to speaking with a tenant. How does, how does that retrofitting or is there any retrofitting when you do have a specific tenant with their own needs? Yeah, I would tell you it's a case-by-case -case, uh, discussion. And again, I think depending on the different spaces that we've had available in certain buildings, uh, we've been able to deliver space that the reality is it, it's actually worked. So if you look at kind of the um, the experience level to date on uh, spaces that have been made available, there's been solid pre-leasing uh, that's been done with those. Now, again, I think it's a bit evolutionary. We don't pretend that we've got the answer that fits you know, every question, because, uh, again, I think every market is different. Every building is different. 
But I think it's also really important. It's not only the space that you are going to deliver that's critically important. It's also the entire building, uh, what you're doing in terms of amenitization, you know, how the property management is engaged in, in trying to do things that, you know, are incorporating what, what tenants and employees really want today. So it's, it's a bit more of a holistic discussion versus just delivering, you know, a single piece of space for a tenant. So how does it, you know, when I read about what it is that you're doing uh, on a larger scale, I mean, you're doing thousand square feet and up, is it somewhat similar? And I don't mean to be insulting. This might sound like an insult or it might be a compliment. Is it somewhat similar to the WeWork model only on a larger scale? No. Um, so I, I'm glad you asked that. This is not WeWork. This is not flex space. We're not renting out desks. We're not renting out partial spaces. These are purpose-built spaces available for lease in their entirety. So we're not looking at creating a, a WeWork alternative. Um, we actually think that the co-work or flex space is a, an important component uh, of office buildings uh, because, again, they service a different clientele than what we're focused on. Uh, and we actually look at kind of what they've been doing with smaller tenancies. And again, they're looking at renting desks or, you know, a, a bunch of desks uh, to counterparties where hopefully over time, those companies are going to grow up and evolve and, and become direct tenants at some point. Uh, but to be clear, we are not um, uh, creating a, an alternative uh, to WeWork uh, and no offense taken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, so some your cohorts in in the process commercial mortgage brokers how have you found like uh there have they embraced what it is that you're trying to do uh you mean leasing brokers yeah yeah no again i think we've always considered ourselves a very broker friendly firm uh, again, the, the brokerage community is is incredibly important to us. I think um, we kind of we walk through brokers uh, through our spaces all the time. And again, we're lucky in that we usually have a an incredibly solid landlord representative team uh, that kind of leads the charge for us. Uh, and then, you know, we're actively engaged in trying to go out and talk to brokers. Uh, we expect the landlord agents to be out talking to brokers all the time. And again, this is a, a long term relationship based business. Right. And so I think there's a lot of tenants that are led by brokers. And we think the brokerage uh, job today is, is probably more difficult than ever. It is hyper competitive out there. Uh, brokers need to do a lot of homework to understand which buildings are competitive, which buildings are in good financial shape. Uh, et cetera. So again, like we we are big believers in kind of where the brokerage community not only is today, but how it's going to be an intimate part of what we're doing on a go forward basis as well. That's that's very smart. So your prices are competitive to other types of buildings. How does that, uh, there must be quite, uh, it seems like there would be a pretty good cost savings for your prospective tenants that they don't have to come in they don't have to take care of a lot of the things that they normally would take care of, although the landlord would typically give them money to do that. But it seems like it's a, a much more seamless operation, which many companies, I would think, would, would embrace, who don't want, you know, the same way that a residential buyer might not want to go in and renovate a house. I would imagine there are many companies who just want to walk in and not have to go through the the pain, the hassle, the process of of retrofitting a, an entire office. Yeah, and again, I think if you look at the the tenant uh, universe that we're trying to serve, it, it's usually people on the smaller side of things. And I think, you know, for us to be able to open up uh, and make that pr process transparent 
we kind of talk, talk about democratizing the process uh, to make sure that smaller companies can have access to really well thought out, well designed space that works. Um, and again, we, we've made our team available uh, to all of these tenants. Uh, we're happy, willing, and able to get on the phone and have a direct dialogue about what we do, how we do it, how it's going to unfold in terms of uh, schedule uh, to make sure that you know they understand you know, what this process is going to be like and that we're there to help them. Um, again, it's incredibly competitive. We understand that. And it's competitive all over the country. We hopefully think that, you know, a competitive advantage for us might be our willingness to work with all these tenants that are going to have space needs. And we've given a lot of thought in terms of what those space needs should look like and, and how it's going to make it really appealing to get their employees to want to come back. That's great. And what's the, um, you talk about the amenities in the building. I know that Amenities now are a big, a big thing. Uh, whatever the building, you know, amenities, uh, employees want that. Hey, what does your gym look like? That's important. yeah. You know, so it's a, again, it's a great question. I think there is a a big focus around health, wellness, um, fitness. So that that is, you know, usually one of the first things we'll take a look at. It's understanding what the um, the lounge area in a building might look like, uh, so that people have a touchdown place. Uh, or somewhere to kind of, kind of spend time with colleagues or, you know, something that is kind of competitive with what, you know, your living room might be at, at home. Um, we try to make sure that we have common um, conference room facilities available uh, so that, again, some of the tenants can leverage that being in common area versus having to have to, you know, put that into their own space where space is at a premium uh, efficiency wise. So I think there's a whole bunch of, you know, items like that that we would like to try to incorporate and then it's also, you know, active in terms of uh, management. I mean, we, we've at 685, we had a um, an art program installation that that we've been working through, which has been, you know, incredibly well received. Um, it's making sure that the um, the property managers are more engaged in understanding the tenants that and their employees that are coming into the building every day. Because uh, again, I think, you know, if you look at um, kind of the data in terms of uh, usage in buildings and physical occupancy. I mean, there's clearly been, you know, an increase Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's probably slower on on Mondays, and then it, it's tough on Fridays. And so you think about, you know, the the intern impact on on all of the retail tenancies that you had that, that you know, were all over the city where you've just had a, um, a change in usage, right? And so that's got to get factored in. So I think it's not only, you know, the space in and of itself, uh, to your point, you know, making sure that the amenities are available that um, really tenants are, are asking for and wanting. Um, so it's kind of, you know, what we talked a little bit about before in terms of looking at it a bit more holistically. So you, uh, I, I know, again, to bring up WeWork, not that uh, not that you are we work, but you know they would have on any given night they would have uh, me. What do you, what do you call those places for different people in the building to mingle, to network, to uh, socialize, to engage? Is that is that unique to them, or is that something that you would look to do? You know, to again, depending on what buildings we have and what space is available in those buildings, uh, yes. I mean, we would look to incorporate some sort of or some type of um, lounge type experience uh, where you not only have something that is, you know, functional and usable for uh, employees during the day, but it might be something where you could break that space down and have presentations in there and they can uh, use that space to, to in turn have their, you know, space for um 
their own employees, right? To hold bigger town halls and stuff like that. So I think depending on on where we are in what buildings, yes, we would look to incorporate that. Uh, and again, I don't think that's necessarily a, a co-work or a, a flex space uh, phenomenon. I think a lot of different landlords have tried to take advantage uh, of space that they have available to try to incorporate, you know, a lot of the bells and whistles that they're all hopeful, you know, are going to really want uh, employees to come back to. To build some goodwill with the tenants. Yeah. Which is critical these days. So on a more macroeconomic level, where do you see um, New York City going forward? New York. City. Yeah, look, if you're a New Yorker, I think you you live in one of the best cities in the world, um, you know, full stop. Um, I think having seen um, what New York was like during COVID, uh, which as a native New Yorker was incredibly sad, uh, to look at where that is today has been phenomenal, right? And again, I look at, I take the commuter train every day and I walk through Grand Central and I walk through Penn Station and to have to use my arms to get, you know, around people is great. Uh, I'm not complaining at all. Um, the amount of volume back on the streets, uh, the retail tenants that are opening, the food and beverage business that is doing incredibly well. Um, the, the, I think I said uh, last week it was the first time I had to stand on a commuter train out of Penn Station all the way back to Princeton, right? So I, I haven't had to do that even pre-COVID. Um, so I think all of those signs are incredibly positive. Um, and again, New Yorkers are resilient by definition. And so I, like, if there was one city I'd ever bet on, it was New York. A hundred percent. I I agree. So, you know what, I, I worked in the World Trade Center, you know, when we when that happened, you know, we came back, we come back from everything. So the B and the C office buildings, what do you see? Is there an opportunity there for owners like yourself to come in and, and turn them into A buildings or did they, are they going to need something completely different? Yeah, look, again, I don't think anybody can tell you they've figured that out yet, right? But I do think that um, there is an opportunity that is coming for office. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. I think uh, all of us are trying to figure out what the demand side looks like uh, on the office side. And I think, again, if you just look at kind of what the the post-Labor uh, Day um, influx of people looks like, it's pretty positive. Whether that trend line continues and it's you know linear up, uh, hopefully it is. Uh, but again, it's too early to tell. I think um, there's a lot of great landlords out there doing a lot of great things, and a lot of us are all trying to figure it out. Again, I, I'd be very bullish on on New York coming back, and it's going to take a little bit of time. But uh, we've been blessed in terms of working with counterparties that are great. Everybody puts in you know phenomenal effort trying to figure out uh, what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing, et cetera. So again, I, I would be long-term bullish on what's going to happen here. And then in the interim period, you know, obviously, if there's a slowdown in activity levels on the leasing side, that's going to impact some buildings that landlords are going to have to deal with. So what in in the uh, universe of BGO, New York City, what what's your occupancy rate? Uh, if you look overall, we're probably in the, I don't know, high 70s, low 80s uh, overall. Um, and again, we're, we're actually negotiating some very big leases right now. Um which to me gives me a lot of hope that, you know, I think tenants are going to want to keep going to buildings that have been amenitized, where you have, uh, you know, solid landlords uh, backstopping everything. Um, and that are very really, you know, commercial and reasonable in how they look at, you know, trying to attract new tenants. So I've been pretty pleased, not only with the activity level so far on the Miro space, 
Uh, but generally on activity levels across the country, I think there's been a bit of an uptick. Again, there's a long road ahead of us. A lot Thank of work you. to still do, but uh, it, the, it's positive momentum. And for your company, do you see expansion? In, are there any other cities that you are thinking of moving into? Yeah, look, I mean, we're a, a worldwide real estate investment management business. So uh, we have capital tied to whether it's core, core plus or value add. So we are always in the market, you know, looking at what different alternatives are. Um, we're inv invested across multiple different product types. And, and again, as the markets evolve, change and and go forward, you know, we will uh, kind of bob and weave and, and figure out kind of what that is going to look like. But it's something where, you know, being that active across the U.S. gives us really good market intel. So I think, um, you know, we're active all over the country and I would I would continue. I'd expect that to continue. Right. So I used to own a commercial mortgage company and um, I know the difficulty in underwriting a commercial mortgage. And I know the difficulty in underwriting a commercial mortgage in today's environment. And I don't know what your capital structure is, but I would imagine that there are going to be some great opportunities moving forward, whether it's buying debt or whether it's just taking back, you know, take negotiating with a bank for properties that they've taken back. So is that a uh, is that an avenue that that BGO looks at? Absolutely. Uh, and again, I think we. Um... We've been actively involved, uh, obviously, with um, um, loan modifications and discussions with lenders. I think um, we've tried to be very transparent about you know, how all of these markets and all the buildings in these markets are performing and, and what we think on a go forward. Uh, but to your point, I think, you know, as those some of those discussions uh, with other uh, sponsors fall over, there is going to be an opportunity to purchase debt and and kind of recapitalize uh, buildings that do have potential upside. Uh, and again, just given where we we participate in the capital stack and, and depending on the return premium, I mean, we would expect to be actively involved in that discussion as they unfold. It's probably been a bit slow, um, which I'm sure you hear from other people, but you know, if that picks up, then I would expect there are going to be buys to be had. Right. Uh, I I think that's a given. You know, I, I used to sell my paper to the CMBS market, and I know that, um, you know, the amount of paper that's coming due just in that one segment of the, uh, you know, the mortgage market is huge. So I think there, for the people who have, uh, they like to say they're powder dry and have, uh, have a good vision of what it is that they want and what it is that they're looking for. And you do participate in all aspects of the market. So I would expect that you would, would definitely find some good deals out there. I remember. I hope so. <laughs> a uh, resolution trust. I don't know if that was before your time, but uh, when the savings and loans, when banks were blowing up all over the place, there were, there were a lot of opportunities. So yeah. uh, I know you will do well. And I wish you well. And I would love to uh, take a tour one day, come in and uh, and see the building. Michael, we would absolutely love to have you through. So you just name a time and place and we will get you through. Fantastic. And listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And I look forward to speaking with you at some point in the future. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay. For listening to Do You Ever Wonder? And we hope that you enjoy the show. Next week, we will have another terrific guest telling their story. And if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear more about, please don't hesitate to let us know. Our curiosity, like yours, knows no bounds. Please subscribe and like and share this episode on your social media. See you next week.